Okay, who or what do you have trust issues with? Now, don't say, if you're in, in person, don't point at your spouse, all right? I don't need to do, <laughs> be nice. We don't need any marriage counseling in here, but I want to see in the comments, who or what do you have trust issues with? Um, is it like the the government? Okay, thank you, Austin. Um, yeah, I can, I, I can definitely see how we might have trust issues with uh, the government. Uh, maybe uh, the media. Um, I don't know. I want to know who do you have trust issues with? Put that in the comment again. This is how we interact online and get things going. Uh, you know, for me, it's mechanics. My car uh, is making this really weird noise right now. And for some of you guys, you would know, like you would hear it and you just automatically be like, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. You need to do this and go here. And, and I'm like, I'm clueless, clueless. And I don't, I don't, I have trust issues with mechanics. <laughs> I'm like, is that really the problem? I don't know. I mean, it just seems outrageous sometimes. So, uh, Valerie, myself, um, yes, we definitely have, I, I, I struggle with that too. Lynn, trust issues with everything. I'm sure there's some things maybe that you, you trust, but, um, sometimes it might be, uh, we have trust issues, especially in the spiritual realm with church people, right? Um, we might have, uh, my, my dentist, Michaela says, okay, single men. Yikes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, uh, diaper ceiling capabilities. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You guys got the young one, <laughs> Mr. Grayson. Uh, yeah, I could see that too. Um, in a spiritual realm, sometimes it's with, uh, it could be with church people. Like sometimes we wear the mask and we, you know, kind of like Bob Ross, you know, we just try to like, hey, you know what this needs? This 2022 needs, it just needs this nice little verse on it. You know, if you could just paint this verse over it, it's, it's so nice. And it's like, ah, sometimes you just like, it's, we don't need to be fake. Uh, sometimes we, we don't trust the pastor, right? We've been burned by a pastor. We've been burned by church people. So we don't trust uh, church leaders. Uh, sometimes uh, we, we can have trust issues with God, right? Something bad has happened or something bad is happening and uh, i just wanted you to say why do i bring this up if you have questions you're human all right we are in a question and answer series this summer we call it red or green because that's the question of new mexico but if you have questions you're human like god in a sense is a mystery like we know we can know about god but there's always going to be some aspect about god that we don't know and so I value as a church, I value your honesty. I value um, that you uh, are real and you ask your questions. As a church, we, we love to ask questions. We don't want you to be lazy with your questions. We want you to lean in. Um, and that's really what a lot of the series is today. And today is a tough question that we're going to jump into uh, Bill, okay, okay, yeah, those that don't like the Cowboys, yeah, I was at Cowboys Stadium this past week, um, absolutely incredible place, um, but I do believe that's where I got COVID, I'm like 99.9% .9 sure I got it while walking through the Dallas Cowboys locker room, filthy, filthy place, and uh, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm paying the price, uh, Tammy, hey, Hello from Virginia. Thank you guys for jumping in online. Like, I want to interact today. Um, so it's a little bit different. Today's going to roll more like a podcast, less like a sermon. Um, and I will try to do my best to interact. I do want to go over the question for today. 
And and the question for today is um, talking about the topic of hell. How is eternity in hell justified is the actual uh, question. And this question comes with a bit of a backstory, but I also just kind of want to preface this with um, when we're talking about hell, this is extremely uncomfortable. Like I'm going to hit it from a, like a theological perspective, but it is it is admittedly disturbing and there's a lot of passion around this. We also don't have all the insight and the blueprint in the Bible about what hell is. We get pictures and a glimpse of it. Um, but, you know, the Bible's main narrative is about God's love for creation and it's a redemption story, not an exact blueprint of of what is heaven and what is hell. We get glimpses of it. And so um, and so there's there can be a lot of different interpretations. I'm going to kind of give you mine and my take on it. I'm fairly conservative, but there's others. Um, and so we'll take a look at that. But admittedly, it's disturbing. Like and I just want to say, too, thank you to Pastor Chuck last week who talked about heaven. He did an incredible job. Um, sharing what we can know about that. Um, um, so when we get into this idea of death and hell, um, you know, Jesus, when he saw his best friend die, um, Lazarus, or one of his good friends, Lazarus dead, uh, that's where we get that verse that Jesus wept. Like he went there and I think he, he, he knew, but he just experienced the consequences and he knew what sin and death brought. And it wept. And when he went to the tomb, it said, it says in there that in some translations, he was still angry when he approached the tomb. Like, I think, I just think he really does not like sin and what the uh, consequences of that are. So, um, listen, I'm not one of those Christians that's like, oh my gosh, people are going to hell and they're like really excited <laughs> for that. Like, I think there's something wrong and, and twisted about that. The, 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 um, but also at the same time, we want to talk about the realities and what we can. Um, so with this, this question, um, is it, I, this question got posed this year and it got voted in as one of the top six, but it also got vote. It was a question a couple years ago and it came in the form of a letter. Now I posted this letter and I'm going to go ahead and read it to you guys. Cause it's a little bit long, but I want to, I want to kind of, Today, my approach will be to kind of answer uh, or at least approach the topic through the lens of this letter. So hang with me as I read it because it's not going to be up on your screen. Uh, and it says, uh, here's here's the letter. And this comes from a, a, an atheist and it's anonymous. And it says, uh, after this life, we're told to we get sent to one of two places for eternity, heaven or hell. Uh, however, the concept of eternity is so staggeringly huge compared to any amount of time anyone could possibly spend on earth. Eternity is not a thousand years or a million years or even a billion years or trillion years. It is forever. So far longer than the heat death of the universe, the creation of the next one or any other universe that might ever come or whatever. He's just saying it's forever. That's the, the point. Therefore, the concept of perpetual punishment based on the actions of a few dozen years seems insane. Um, and then he goes in. He says it, it would amount to being tortured for the entirety of your life because we ate the wrong thing for breakfast on the second Tuesday of a, of a May when you were five years old, except you never die. But since humans experience time on a second-by-second -second basis, I cannot imagine anyone holding their sanity after a few trillion years of torture. In fact, um, would they even know that why they were there? After such time, would the memory of a few dozen years of Earth even remain? And then he, here's the question, how can this be just? 
How can a loving God knowingly torture those he supposedly loves without any hope for redemption uh, for eternity? Even if they were never given a chance, such as never hearing about the message of God. Additionally, uh, with my previous example, most people were never told of, of what breakfast in that fateful May was supposed to be. So again, as, uh, as many people have not heard the words of your God's message. However, God is supposed to be omniscient, which means he knows exactly what is going to happen to all his children. So in fact, he knows uh, now exactly who will get into heaven, who will not. He also knows exactly what to do to be able to change the fates of all these doomed individuals and do it effortlessly, I would imagine. So, uh, as he is also omnipotent, he's all-powerful. So, the question is, why would he not? And the final adjacent question, I do not believe in God. Therefore, I am condemned to hell for eternity. Again, not God knows this. He also knows exactly what it would take for me to be convinced and then convert, and quite easily so. However, this has never happened. So if God loves me, why won't he save me? All right. So that's, that is uh, more than um, to, to me, like I combine it to how is eternity and hell just, but I love this letter. Um, and when I got it a couple years ago, it's one that I haven't forgot because I just like, oh man, these are great questions. And I would imagine that you have similar questions or have thought about it. And you wonder and maybe have your own answers to it. And again, I'd like to, as I go through this, maybe you expand on it or ask more questions. I might, as I approach this topic and talk about it, uh, it might bring up more questions than answers. I don't know, but I'm going to try to kind of let you know how I would approach a conversation. And I'm not going to be finger pointing, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. It's more like, let's let's unpack this. Let's talk about it because it's great. It's great conversation. It's great discussion. Um, in all of this. So again, if, uh, as we're going through again, just give me an amen or something in the comments or ask a question. I might just stop and, and try to clarify where I can. All right. So let me start with this. Um, what is hell? All right. We're talking about hell and I think it's good to know, well, what does the Bible say? All right. So I'm going with the Bible as the foundation. And again, people might have different interpretations of this, all right? So I would give you that, but I'm going to give you uh, my approach. And I'm, fairly, like I said, fairly conservative. I'm going to not do a whole lot of gymnastics with Scripture. I'm going to say, well, here's what it says and kind of go with that. All right, so let's start with this. Hell, first, it, it exists for um, two reasons that the Bible gives us. It says hell exists for God to deal righteously with Satan, right? And also, let me just say, today might be a good day to take notes, all right? If you're in person, you might want to grab a pen or paper or get on your phone and, and take some notes so you can reference this for later, uh, give you some things to chew on, all right? Matthew, this is Jesus talking, he gives a, a parable, but he says, The king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal file, pre fire prepared for the devil and his demons, all right? So we see here that hell exists, one, for Satan and his demons, these spiritual be beings that we see throughout Scripture. Um, and now, this is something, too, that we think about, um, when we think about hell, it, a lot of people don't give it its, like, it's kind of a playful thing. Like, when we think of Satan, sometimes we think of, like, oh, he's this guy with uh, horns and a pitchfork and a red cape, and when, when you... When you die, you go to hell, or we're going to have a party in hell, or it's, you know, it's not going to be that bad. Or, you know, when you get in there, the devil meets you and 
and he's like, you know, here's the 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 murderers over here and the the partiers over there and the the cat lovers you guys go <laughs> over there the Dallas Cowboy fans you've been living in hell you kind of know what this place looks like you know and we joke around with it we joke around with it sorry cat lovers and uh, cowboy fans all right um and if i were satan who can't really change anyone's outcomes he has no control or power here uh, to change anyone's eternity, but he can influence and try to manipulate. Like if I, if I were Satan, I'd make it a goal just to say, well, if hell is real, all right, I can't stop that. Um, I'm going to try to convince you that it's not that bad. Um, or, or convince you that it's not real. And if you don't think it's as bad as what scripture describes it as, you know, then, then you're not going to be, there's not going to be no urgency to this thing. There's not going to be like, eh, okay, yeah, we'll just go to hell and have a party there. All right, let's go. God's not there. Great. Church isn't, you know, like church people aren't there. All right, great. Let's, let's go. Um, and so um, I think that's kind of one of the things that the enemy tries to throw our way is like, hey, it's a place to deal righteously with him. But right now he tries to convince us that it's not that big of a deal or not as big as what, what the Bible makes it out to be. All right. Now, secondly, uh, what is what is hell? Uh, hell exists for God to deal unrighteously with unbelievers. Okay, so in Second Thessalonians, it says uh, he's when the Lord appears in heaven, he will come with mighty angels, in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who do not know God, and those who refuse to obey God, the good news of our Lord Jesus. And they will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious uh, power. All right. Um, and so it's a place to deal with those who, the Bible says, don't have a relationship with Jesus. Okay. So that's what the Bible describes as what is it. It it's, seems to be a very real place. And yeah, foreverly, forever separated from God. And that is something that a lot of people would describe as, as hell. Okay, now um, this I, I'm convinced that you don't the reason we're asking this question isn't about the what <laughs> it seems like a lot of us. We know the what even in the question He's like, it's this, it's this, it's this. And we're asking the question because it brings a lot of tension. How can a good God uh, deliver punishment, eternal or even temporary? How can a loving God um and evil coexist. How can a loving God in this hell? There's a tension there. And what we're really asking in many of those cases is we're expressing our doubts and questions, which are okay. Um, but I think a lot of times we're asking, does this God exist? Does God exist? All right. And what I want to share with you today that the, the existence of hell or we could look at suffering in the world. We see some sort of evil or we see some sort of suffering. And we're like, if God is loving, then he wouldn't, obviously, he wouldn't allow that to happen to me or something I'm watching. So, therefore, I don't think God exists. And uh, the point I always want to make in any of these conversations is hell, suffering, evil is not an argument for or against the existence of God. All right. Let me kind of unpack that just a minute, because this is important. It, it's, it's personal, and it's passionate. It's an emotional argument, but it really has nothing to do with, does God exist? All right? Does God exist 
um, is in the conversation of, hey, I am a created being. Where did I come from? In fact, all things that we see are something was I was a cause and effect. Something created me. And you go up the chain and up the chain and up the chain. And who created that first thing? Because something just doesn't come from nothing. All right. That is the conversation to have about does God exist or not? Not evil, not suffering, not hell. All right. Um, the conversation about does God exist you, comes from like a conversation about the fine tuning of the universe. I mean, when you look at the fine tuning of our planet, that if it was off just one degree or just a little bit closer to the sun or spun just a little bit slower, faster, like we wouldn't exist like nothing at all. But the, the everything is just right. And the fact that everything is just right, like the precision out of everything existing, the fine tuning, uh, they've done calculations and it's like an astronomical virtually the, the, the scientific evidence says it's just impossible, all right? We, the, the chances of this is just so impossible uh, for it to just, the fine-tuning is just so perfect. Um, and so, uh, anyway, all let's say, that's that's an argument. That's a talk, conversation about does God exist. I would also talk about um, morals and stuff like that. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. All right, so that's kind of what we're getting at. Now, let's get back to the question. The question is... How can a loving God knowingly torture uh, those he supposedly loves without any hope of redemption for eternity? All right. So um, we're already dealing with the, you know, God does exist, but how can this be just? How can a loving God knowingly do this? All right. So I'll, in these conversations as well, I like to, to deal with this issue. How can a loving God, all right, where did you get this loving God idea? Well, obviously we get it from the Bible, but let me do a quick history lesson on God or gods. All right. This was Egyptian gods were not loving. Local gods back in the day were not loving. Roman and Greek gods were not uh, loving. At best, they would provide protection for their people. Like, you know, if you if you look at those things, but they were not loving towards their their creation. You always had to do something. Um to appease the gods, right? Um, this idea that God is love was was introduced by Christianity. Okay, in in for John in First John, he's like, um, love comes from God. In First John four seven, for God is love. Um, Jesus, when he comes on the scene in the first century, when he comes on the scene in a land where there's no rights for women. Uh, power ruled the day. Might made right. All right. Um, you have slavery. People don't. Ha- not everyone has dignity. Uh, Jesus comes on the scene in a brutal environment and says everyone has dignity. Every single person God loves. You're not getting that from other gods. This was introduced by Jesus. This was introduced by Christianity. All right. So if, if my point is in this, if we are going to roll with whoever you're talking to is going to roll with the idea that God is loving. If God is loving, then fill in the blank. Right. If you're starting with that statement, if God is loving, then you got you're rolling with the God of the Bible. You're go, you're rolling with Jesus. 
All right. But God is love is something that Jesus taught. But it is important to know that is not all Jesus taught about God. <laughs> all right. This this is important. We want just I just want the God that's loving. Right. Well, he's loving. But that's if you're rolling with the with Christ, you can't just take pieces of Christianity <laughs> Or pieces of what Jesus said. Otherwise, you're just fashioning your own God out of what you want to take. But Jesus, this isn't what Jesus said. Jesus said this. Austin nailed it. Austin, man, appreciate you, man. Uh, this is one that I want to get to. He said, God is just. All right? And this is where it's a little bit uncomfortable. All right? But Jesus, that's not the only thing that Jesus said about God. He said that God is, is just. All right? Take, take any grave injustice. Um, uh, the one that I always think of for someone who's, who's my age is, is 9-11. All right? When that hit, um, and many of you, if you were alive, then you remember the images and you remember... Um, exactly where you were in that conversation. And, and we were like, there was a grave injustice, right? At the same time, in our world, there was so many people um, in our world, millions and millions of people who saw that same event and was thinking that was justice being served, right? Not a grave injustice, but that was actually a good thing. They were applauding that. Who's right? All right, so I'm not I'm not going to get into the political thing. All that to say is like we saw something and there's something in all of us when you when a grave injustice happens, what do you want? You want justice. If someone did something to your son or daughter, you would want justice. And what I want to say is is that this concept of injustice or us wanting justice um, that only happens with God. All right. If if God does not exist, if we live in a in a godless universe, all right, an atheistic universe, there's no there is no such thing as injustice. It's just nature. All right. And nature knows nothing of injustice. Um, there's a quote from Richard Dawkins, who's a brilliant uh, scientist, atheist. Um, and there's an interview on, on YouTube, I'll read you the, the excerpt from it. There's a guy who's interviewing him. His name is Justin, and they're having this kind of debate. He says, when you make a value judgment, all right, something about justice, and you say, well, this is right or wrong, all right? When you make a value judgment, don't you immediately step yourself outside of the evolutionary process and say that the reason this is good or that is good, um, don't you have to anyway to stand on that? Don't you... You don't have any way to stand on that statement. He's asking Richard, he was like, how do you, you know, how do you come up with good or bad or whatever? And Richard Dawkins says, my value judgment itself could come from my evolutionary past. So it comes from evolution. It's coming from past. Okay. All right. So Justin then says, okay, th so therefore, if it's coming from evolution, then it's just as random in any sense as any product of evolution. Like, hey, I got five fingers. It's just as random as me having six or seven or, you know, all of us having, um, you know, different amount of toes. It's just random, right? And uh, Richard Dawkins says, uh, yeah, you could say that. It doesn't in any case. Um, 
nothing about it makes it more probable that there is anything supernatural. So he's saying, yeah, it's, it's random. My morals come from my evolutionary past. It's random. That doesn't mean just because I have morals, there must be a God. Well, then Justin says, ultimately, then your belief that rape is wrong is as arbitrary as the fact that we're evolved uh, with five fingers rather than six, to which Richard says, yeah, you could say that. That the fact that we think is rape is wrong is just random. So when you live in a godless universe, you have to check some of these boxes that, okay, if you have morals, it just so happens to be random that that's the morals that we have. And I, I can't personally check some of those boxes. The fact that if we live in a godless universe, there is no such thing as, as injustice or that our, our value system is based on random. Um, there is no such thing as value in a godless system. It's just arbitrary. There is no such thing as you in a godless world. You're just cells, matter, clump, and it gets activated and then you're done. Poof, that's it. And nobody lives that way. No one, no one lives like, I don't matter. No one lives as if your son or daughter doesn't have value. No one lives as if there's any, in like, oh, well, that happened. The Supreme Court just made their decision on Roe versus Wade, and everyone's like, eh, yeah, no big deal. Just move on. No, like, people are outraged. And, and um, we'll have that conversation in a couple weeks when we're talking about politics, by the way, so stay tuned. But all that to say... When you see people crying out for justice or you crying out for injustice or you yourself are doing that, that is a desperate cry for us um, longing for something. And I would say lean into that. All right. That maybe just maybe it's a cry for God. We need a something's broken. We need a fixer. Something is unjust. We need someone to render justice and we need help. That is actually a plea for, hey, we need God. All right. Maybe our only hope is a God in that situation. So Jesus taught God is loving. He also taught God is, is just. Now, back to the question, because I kind of went on a side side uh, topic there. But I, I want to um, I want to I want to discuss this because he, he's saying, well, how is this just then? OK, how is this eternal conscious punishment just? Um, and so I want to. I want to discuss this because he said, Jesus said, okay, if we're rolling with the God of the Bible, God is loving, God is just, but again, that's not all Jesus taught, all right? He also taught that God is holy, all right? God is holy. Look at this, uh, look at this scripture here, and I could pull from a ton of different scriptures that talk about God being holy, all right, being set apart. But he says, now you must be holy in everything you do. This is Peter talking to us. You must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For scripture says, you must be holy as I am holy. He's quoting back in Leviticus. All right. Like I said, I could go to a bunch of different places. God is holy. Now, what does that mean for us? It means God is perfect in every way. All right. So um, he, he cannot belong to sin. This is... This is, okay, we're rolling with the God of the Bible. This is who God is. He's perfect, right? He, he is holy. He is completely separated. Nothing imperfect is coming from him. Now, when we talk about humanity, all right, and I want to bring this up in, in light of God's um, holiness, one sin is all it takes, all right? 
Romans 5 talks a lot about this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. All right? Now, this is a lot to hold on to here, and I don't have enough time to unpack all of this, but I think we in our Western culture, we just in our own just humanity and flesh, we severely underestimate God's holiness and his relationship to sin. Because the Bible never backs away from this. All right. The Bible does not back away from this whatsoever. One man's sin, Adam's sin, caused all the death and destruction. Like it brought the curse on for all eternity on this planet. And we're still suffering the consequences. One, one sin. What was that one sin? They ate from a tree. Oh my gosh, that doesn't seem that terrible. You know, like in the light of all the atrocities in the world, that one sin. And this is what the Bible has, has always claimed from the start. One, just one, is enough. For God to uh, say, depart from me. Like, I, there's there's no righteousness in you. Like, he, he, one sin, it says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So it, it does not back away from this idea that one sin is enough. And I think we totally underestimate this. We totally do not fully grasp the idea of how God's holiness works in this. And I think that's an important piece to answering how is this just? Well, God's very clear. He says, I'm perfect. I can't have anything to do with sin. Completely, eternally separated. I won't touch it. All right, now, another thing that people will, will talk about in this, and it kind of goes with this question. He's like, okay, fine. But again, going to back to the justice thing, is he wants to know the time frame, like the eternal time frame, eternal push, punishment, all right? And so he... He gives us this uh, analogy of like, well, it's like when I was five years old and I ate the wrong thing for breakfast on some random day and now I'm going to punish an eternity for it. Like, how is that like this short moment in time um, related to eternity? Which is a great question. Um, how is that fair? Um, listen, again, it, a couple things on this. One, it's not cereal. We're not talking about eating cereal. We're talking about breakfast. God is very clear about his relationship with sin. Um, he is like, in a sense, God is good. We just sang that song. God is life-giving. And so when you choose something that is not of God, who is life, right? He's the source of life. Then you're basically choosing death. Here is the nat He's going to hand you over to the natural consequences, which is death. But at the same time, um, if we look at this, um, this the the big word is annihilationalism, all right? People, and there's some there can be some cases for it. I don't believe in it, but people are like, oh well, you, it's not eternal hell. You'll be punished for a little while, and then you'll just be destroyed or annihilated. You will cease to exist. Um, but the Bible gives this picture um, that it's going to last forever. In fact, you you have this term eternal life or eternal death or this word of eternity right and the whole narrative of scripture the portrait that the bible gives is this idea of eternal not temporary if there's anything temporary that it describes it talks about our life here on this earth he's like this is a vapor this is a mist this is temporary but when it talks of the next life either heaven or hell it it, it speaks in terms of eternal 
So to me, if I'm going to adhere to annihilationalism where, okay, I'm punished for a little while and then God just destroys people and they cease to exist. um, I would, I, I would have to take all those parts where it says eternal life. um, And I would need to change those into temporary. Um, And I'm not willing to do all those gymnastics with scripture. And so um, it sounds nice, but it, I don't believe it gives the full picture of what the whole scripture is trying to say in the, in the, like the intensity in which it's trying to communicate what happens after this life. Um, you know, let me check my notes here real fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the, the Bible's portrait, when it talks about us, the, the portrait that you get in scripture, when you like just from the start of the Bible to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, the central theme in the story is not us, right? And this might be hard for some of us to swallow, but it's actually a beautiful thing. It's a better thing. All right. When you look at scripture and you read that story, God does not need us. God does not need humanity to exist. All right. God wants us, which is, Far different, and I would say far better. All right, he is totally fine without any of us, but he loves us. For God, Jesus said this: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have et- eternal life. God wants to be with you and I. He wants us so. The idea of it being just or, or unjust is based on a on um, the fact that God's holy. He wants nothing to do with sin. And he's very clearly marked that out. And he wants to be in a relationship with you. Now, if the story just ended here, it wouldn't be good news. It'd be terrible news. It would be bad news. All right. Like, but that's not the end of the story. And, and, and we know that. Let me get back to the, the question here. And thank you guys. Keep smashing the like buttons. I can see those coming across, so I know it's going. Uh, that you that you're tracking with me here. All right. So he asked the second question, um, and I'm, I might go a little bit long here. I got about maybe 10, 15 more minutes here, so we'll we'll see how this goes. All right. It says he also knows exactly what to do to be able to change the fates of all these doomed individuals. All right. Effortlessly, I imagine. So as he is also supposed to be omnipotent. So the question is, why would he not? All right. So you got all these people who don't know about God or they don't know about this thing. And so why wouldn't he just step in and, and do something? Why wouldn't if this God knows they're condemned to hell, why wouldn't he do something? All right. First, let me answer this question, because some people say, well, what what's going to happen to the people that don't know about God, that never heard the story of Jesus? All right. They're they're ignorant in a sense. Um, do they go to heaven or hell? All right. Now, it for me personally. Here's where I'm going to stand on this. Um, if ignorance gets you into heaven, all right, if ignorance gets you into heaven, if that were the case, I don't believe it does, but if that were the case, then the number one thing you and I should do would be to burn all Bibles and never say a word about Jesus ever again. That story would die with our generation. If ignorance gets you in, never tell anyone, your kids or anything, about God, Jesus, heaven, hell, nothing. Because ignorance gets you in. Now, is that the picture that we get from Scripture? Rhetorical question, no. It's quite the opposite. Hey, go and tell. Go and make disciples. Go and tell all the world about me. 
Okay. Now the question that he brings up is, so why wouldn't he do anything? If, if, if God wants to save everybody, why won't he do something? Well, this is why the gospel is the perfect narrative. God knows that we're all sinners. God knows that we are condemned to an eternity in hell. If that's where the story ended, it would be terrible news. But we have good news, and this is why I love the story of Jesus, and I love the gospel. This is why I want to tell people about it. Because instead of sending justice right away, instead of sending a judge to condemn the world, he sends a Savior. One day he will judge. One day he will bring justice. But before he comes to judge, he saves. The gospel, the good news, is, he says, you know, wouldn't he do this effortlessly? Yeah, it's effortlessly. This is the good news called grace. You, you, nobody can earn it to be right with God. God just says, hey, for all humanity, for all time, I will, I will lower the bar as much as I can. I will do all the work. You don't have to do nothing. This eternity in heaven is a, a relationship with me to spare yourself from in, an eternity in hell. Um, it's free. It's a relationship. And in, in, in the Bible, the God of the Bible has very clearly says he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. So in many ways, God, God made his choice. He, he said, I'm going to, this is open to everyone for all humanity for all time, but I'm not going to make the choice for you. If you want to do life without God, I'm not going to send you to hell. I'm just going to, I'm going to hand you over to what you want. It would. It would be like right now, my boy, my boys, their birthday's next week or next month. And if, uh, if I were to call them in right now, they're not here right now. But if I were to say, Hey, I got an early birthday present for you. And it was, they want to go to main event. All right. You've never been to main event. Oh my gosh. If you want a headache, go to main event. That place is so like loud and lights and sensors and everything. Um, we'll probably go there and I'll have to take some ibuprofen or something, but if I say, hey, today, let's go. You want to go to the main event? Like early birthday present? Let you, Do you want to go? If if I were to offer them that free and like we got everything set up, why would they say no? Like if I have a free gift for you, why why would you say no? This is, this is not a tough question. I, I love when these questions come, but I would flip it. If, if God is loving, then why would I reject that? If God's offering a free gift, then why would I, I say no? The question, this question will always come up, and you'll never see it on this inverse. That, that through one act of sin, death comes. But through one act, all right, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. So I took this question and, and like, if God is perfect and holy and just, then why would he eternally want to be in a loving relationship with me who's completely imperfect and allow me to do nothing to earn it? Like that 
is not fair. That is not just. I, it, to flip that question on its head, this is, the, this is why the Gospels, I believe, is the perfect narrative. It's better than atheism, which has, hey, you have no value. You have no just, there's no such thing. You, what you get in that system is uh, Democrats have their justice. Uh, Republicans have their justice. You have might makes right. The rich person has the justice or whoever has the power, they determine the justice. You have KKK justice. You have ISIS justice. You have just, you name it, everybody has their own justice which is what you see in this world. Without God, you don't have justice. Every other world religion, you're going to have to work for it and earn it to appease the gods. And, and Christianity comes along. Jesus says, no, everyone has dignity. God loves everyone. And um, you don't have to do anything, but just have a relationship with me. Now, final question, and I'll close out with this. It says, he also knows exactly what it takes for me to be convinced he's you know it says i don't believe in god and he could do this quite easily however this has never happened god loves me why won't he save me i had a friend of mine a different uh, different person who came to me and says you know god i don't believe in god if god wants to save me he's gonna have to physically come to this earth and sit across the table for me and prove that he's god well again we don't just get to make up who god is and, and what he's about, but this idea of God showing up on earth and doing things to, to, to make people believe, like Jesus, who claimed to be God, and do, he physic, God did come to earth. We're about 2,000 years late to that party, but he came. And everybody who, who believed in him saw what he did and was like, oh my gosh, this is God. Now, some people rejected that and killed him, but he rose from the dead. Jesus says this, um, he gives this story about a guy in hell. And uh, in the story, the guy in hell says, hey, I'm in hell, but uh, would you send somebody back from the dead to my brothers and tell them so they don't end up in this same place with me? And Jesus, as he's saying this, he says, Abraham uh, says, Moses and the prophets have warned them like they got the Bible, dude. Your brothers, they can read what they wrote. He's like, it's the, it's there. Then the rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, now, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's it's our choice. Um, and I'm not going to get into the election pre-election and all that sort of stuff but um bible is very clear at the end of the day you us me we not god i will be responsible for the choices i made on this earth and the bible couldn't be more clear about how important that is of eternal importance and so again i want to want to round this out here to just say evil injustice Hell are not arguments for or against God. They are evidence that we desperately need God. Evidence that we desperately need a fixer, a savior. That we need grace, that we need mercy. So I want to invite you guys to close out with me. I'm going to pray. And I don't know where this landed with you, if you have questions or anything like that. But this idea, if, if uh, I, these are great questions. And I don't, 
know that I fully answered them in a short amount of time like that. So I'll be willing to take some questions here. Um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to I'm going to invite you to have a relationship with Jesus, because I believe that is that is the way, and it's an opportunity each one of us uh, are given right here, right now, and we are not promised tomorrow. Eternity could start like that. And so if you're listening to this and you're watching that, then I believe that God might be speaking. Not to not to to scare you into hell or scare the hell out of you, <laughs> but to invite you into a loving relationship. If God is loving, then why wouldn't you want that? So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this one rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.